podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Brutal Nation, a podcast series dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm trying to kind of perfect that a little bit. You are going, I mean, well, especially since we're going to start getting into our special edition episodes pretty soon. Oh, yeah. Which we've dealt, we've already started researching a couple of them that are going to be amazing. <laughs> so I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is Tammy Underwood, looking quite dapper once again today. Why, thank you. You know what? I was looking at my hair this morning. I need to go get it dyed again. This is, this gray is not happening. Actually, I was having a conversation with someone, uh, I think it was yesterday, I can't remember. Um, yeah, it was yesterday, and we were talking about, like, I, had, I hadn't scrolled through and seen the promo pictures. Right, right, right. And I started looking, who the fuck is this? That, that can't be Tammy. Why don't I ever see that Tammy, by the way? You know what? You might see that Tammy if you ever take Tammy out for that dinner that you've been promising that Tammy. Oh, my God. It's always something with you, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus H. Christ. No, I was just thinking about it the other day, thinking, you know, I need to start wearing makeup again because I miss it. Makeup, even though I'm a very self-confident person, when I put on my makeup and stuff, to me, it's like it enhances that. Because no, I'm under the firm belief makeup should enhance, not exaggerate. So I really do it. I mean, I spend a lot of time on my makeup to make it look really good. But it also helps enhance my confidence and all that other stuff. Oh, it so. makes perfect sense, you know? Yeah. My confidence would be enhanced if I got rid of about 50 pounds of my big bad ass. So. Well, see, and I've learned to live with how, what I am as far as weight-wise because, you know, I used to... I still have pictures of me when I was like ginormous. Right, right now. Like you, so, you look, you look fine now. I mean, I know, I know, but you know, like I said, I've I've become very comfortable in my skin, and not as good as your mom, by the way. Don't I just, I just like how makeup makes me feel. I like the way your mom makes me feel. Anyway, <laughs> this so. is not that podcast, <laughs> and you are not that person. Oh Done. my god, <laughs> I crack myself the yeah, fuck no. up. No, no, so. No, but I need to get rid of my gray. I have some red shampoo at home. I should just use it. I'll help cover it for a little bit. Um, All right. So who do we got today, Tam Tam? It's Twisted Tuesday. Twisted Tuesday. You need to come up with a song for each of our days. Oh, my God. Now now I have another writing project to do. (laughs) I'll I'll take that on you. Yeah. No, I'm still waiting for the other one that's that... uh, that spoof album for the <laughs> that we, you were coming up with songs to cover the the musical episodes Todd of and the Todd, book of yeah. pure evil or something like yeah. that. Yeah, they if, have two musical episodes, one in each season. Which, if, if you're kind of a sick bastard like we are, <laughs> and um, we're sick, <laughs> it's on. I think it's on Hulu, and it's it's worth a watch because it's it's quirky and it's funny, and it's, it's actually on Shutter. Uh, that's what it was. Shut- was it Shutter? Yeah, Shutter. I had to subscribe to it. So. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure what service because no, yeah. I purchased, you know, kind of a la carte. But anyway, who do you got for us? I have, and you know, we just did uh, yesterday. We just did a guy out of England, and but when Cheerio, I was researching, yes, we did. Yeah, when I was researching couples, this one kind of stood out to me, um, and they're out of England as well. And we did just open the United Kingdom market, so maybe it's a good thing I'm featuring two British people back to back. But um, I still feel like shit, by the way. I know you do, and I'm sorry. Um, my, I'm going to give this disclaimer before I even start with the quote. I know we do a listener discretion advice at the beginning of every episode, but I'm going to stress it for this one as well. 
Listener discretion advised. If you have a weak stomach or can't handle hearing about some acts of violence, please just, you know, read the po- read the notes later. Because <laughs> um, this couple was, they were twisted. They were sick and disgusting. Um, I don't believe they ever should have walked the face of the earth, but that's my opinion. Um, the quote is, oh, give me a minute. It might be still too hot for me. He's trying to sh- give me some tea that he brewed, so... Um, beware, some people will sell you a dream and deliver you a nightmare by Sonny Chowdhury. That's very, very accurate. Yeah. With everybody in yeah, life. That's pretty much. No matter if they're a serial killer or yeah. a garbage man. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to start with the beginning of the end and then I'm going to go back. Okay. All right. Tarantino it, this shit. Yeah, Tarantino. I love Tarantino. February 24th, 1994. Marked the end of the bizarre occurrences at the somewhat ordinary residence in Gloucester. Gloucester? 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 I don't know. It's G-L-O-C-E-S-T-R. I know they pronounce... Gloucester. Okay, thank you. I know they have weird pronunciations, so it's really weird. I probably didn't say it the English way. You probably didn't either. Yet it was just the beginning of peeling back the layers of secrets hidden behind the walls of 25 Cromwell Street. That's okay? a very English-sounding street, too. Very much so. Law enforcement officials came to the house looking for a guy by the name of Frederick West, but instead they encountered his wife, Rosemary. As soon as they handed her the search warrant, she called the phone he kept in his van and said, you'd better get home. They're going to dick up the garden looking for Heather. Oh, yeah. The dark haired ape like man. If you see his pictures, he does kind of have that weird, bizarre, almost simian quality. Grape ape. Yeah. No, he's not the big silverback gorilla like I know some people. Mean. <laughs> Thanks. I, I didn't say any names. You didn't have to. I always <laughs> refer to myself as a silverback gorilla. Yeah. But no, he had the very like big hands, big kind of mouth features and stuff that, you know, the simian qualities. You know what they say? Big hands, big feet. Big shoes, big gloves. <laughs> Don't make me spit my water, please. Um, anyways, the dark-haired, ape-like man didn't seem a least bit worried, except for maybe his concern. They, they wouldn't clean up the mess they were, they were most likely going to make when they dug up the stones in his garden to look for the body of their daughter. Oh, see that? Already this is starting off fucked up. Yeah. Because... Because, you know, we, we've talked about casting and things like that. Oh, yeah. That. I can't even fucking... No, begin. after this one, you're probably going to text her. I just know you are, so you should probably get the text ready. <laughs> I'll text her anyway, no matter what. Oh, that is delicious. That's really good. And that's with no, like, honey or anything in it. No, huh? I just put a little bit of stevia in it. Just for any of you who are wondering what kind of tea I'm drinking currently, since we're talking about good old England, there's a company out here called Bigelow Teas, and they do a salted caramel. And uh, yeah. I put a little bit of stevia in it because I'm diabetic and I don't do a lot of sugars. And it is wonderful. I think I just have me a cup of tea right here. I think I'll shoot you because that's my last two uh, tea bags going oh, on right fine. there. fine. Whatever. Come to the grocery store with me. Oh, maybe I will after this episode. Oh, you go to Walmart, though. I know. Ugh, I might have to. my nightmare. Uh, yeah, precisely. Anyways, so. He basically told the authorities that he and his wife, Rose, had no clue where their daughter was. He said a lot of girls would disappear all the time. They simply adopted a different name, went into prostitution, never to be seen again. His words. That's fucked up when you're talking about your goddamn yeah. daughter his right daughter there. His daughter was probably no exception, no exception since she was a lesbian and had a drug addiction anyhow. Uh, okay, okay. Hold on, hold on. 
even if she was a lesbian and had a drug addiction, I'm going to straight out say, because I, I don't even know these people are alive or dead, but that's a fucked up thing to say about yeah. your goddamn kids at all. And I yeah. joke about Jake a lot. You do. But, you know, I wouldn't... I mean, that's that's a bit much. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, considering they were there with a search warrant to search the dig up the garden because they had reason to believe she was buried there. I mean, aren't and you I'll tell con- you why later. Aren't but. you even concerned that your daughter's even missing? You, oh, she's a lesbian who has a drug addiction. So yeah, fuck her. Didn't what even the- report her as missing. No. So oh, oh, tell, tell, tell me more because I'm, I'm already getting okay. pissed. Anyways, like, uh, like I said, this is just the preamble. Rose. His wife, who was questioned at the house, gave a similar statement. She told them that their daughter simply disappeared back in 1987. And remind you, this is 1984, so seven years later, when she was 16 years old. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. You said she disappeared in 87 and it's 84. Yeah, 1994 is when the search warrant was issued. Oh, you said 84. Oh, I thought I said 94. We're going back in time. This is back to the future shit. You got DeLorean. So when she was 16 years old, she disappeared. Rose also added that Heather was just a lazy, disagreeable person and a lesbian to boot. Her words. There we go. We're picking on her sexuality again, and that exactly. already pisses me off. Yeah. She and Fred ended up staying up all night that night at, of the search, the night of the search, to talk. The next morning, he went outside, got into the police car, and said, I killed her. After he got to the police station, he gave exact details about how he cut Heather's body into three separate pieces to bury them. The whole time, he would constantly repeat that Rose knew nothing about what he had done to their daughter. Uh, already, I'm fucking livid, and I'm, you guys are going to hear my mouth going off. Because, number one, you just now bagged on your daughter saying she was a drug addict and a lesbian. Yeah. She just ran off, and you chopped her up? Fuck this guy. Yeah, precisely. 20 minutes after that, he claimed he didn't know what they were talking about. He never killed his daughter, and she was alive, he said. He said, Heather's alive and well, right? She's she's possibly at the moment in Bahrain working for a drug cartel. She she had a Mercedes, a chauffeur, and a new birth certificate. He would go on to say that they could dig all they wanted. They would never find her. He's still... Already. Yeah. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut for right now. Yeah. Well, dig they did, and they found three human, re- three sets of human remains. There's a shocker. None of them belonged to Heather. Oh. Upon hearing what they had found, he again confessed to killing his daughter, but denied the existence of anybody else being buried in his garden. Of course. He of course then he did. proceeded to tell them what happened to Heather, and this is what he said occurred that night. Apparently... He and Heather, who was, all, who was known to be headstrong, got into an argument. At some point while they were arguing, he slapped her for being insolent and ended up grabbing her by the throat because she was laughing at him and he wanted her to stop. He said he must have grabbed too hard because she ended up turning blue and stopped breathing. He says he tried to revive her, but since he didn't know how to do it properly, he dragged her to a bathtub in an attempt to run cold water over her, hoping that would work. Oh, my God. When he realized she was dead, he removed all of her clothing, took her out of the tub, and dried her off. After that was done, he tried to put her in the garbage can, but she was too big to fit. That's when he realized he needed to do something else to dispose of the body. He had to make her smaller so she would fit. He took her back to the bathtub, strangled her with a pair of tights to make sure she was dead because he didn't want her waking up in the process of him cutting her. His words. 
because he didn't want to. Yeah. While she was still alive, he then reached over and closed her eyes and dismembered her body because you wouldn't want somebody looking at you while you were doing that. Now, would you? His words. Everything that he that that, that, that you just said that he said is so fucking contradictory. I'm trying to keep my mouth shut. I know. But okay, number one, you tried to revive her, you piece of garbage, and then you. But I strangled her again just in case she woke up. That doesn't yeah, even fucking I make sense. I strangled her again because I'm going to dismember her, so I strangled her to make sure she's dead. Yeah. And, no, and, and throwing just, her out with the, with the garbage. That right there. That's, that's, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to shut the fuck up because yeah. if not, I'm going to go on a tangent. Yeah. He then reached over, closed her eyes, and dismembered her body. He went into vivid, gory detail, and I'm not going to do it here, about how he proceeded to cut his daughter into smaller pieces so she would fit nicely in the garbage can. He then waited until the entire household was asleep before he buried her in the garden where she remained undisturbed for seven years. Okay? Unfucking believable Now. Let's rewind. Let's find out exactly who is Fred West. All right, let's Tarantino this. Yes. Frederick West was born on September 29, 1949, in the village of Much Markle in Herefordshire, which it's approximately 120 miles west of London. And his parents were Walter and Daisy West, and he came from a long line of farm laborers, which probably makes sense in Herefordshire because Herefords are cows. I knew Herefords were cows. <laughs> But thank you for looking like I didn't know what the hell the cow was. I love it. <laughs> so are scimitols, limousines, black, red, and white Anguses. Because there's three different yeah, kinds and of there, Anguses. There's, yeah, there's Angus. There's, oh my gosh, we used to have a bunch of Angus. And there's Herford a Swiss and Misses. Guernseys. Yep, Guernseys. Yeah. Jerseys. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Anywho. Next on the farm report. Yeah. <laughs> Fred would be the oldest of seven children born to the poverty-stricken couple in a span of 10 years. You ever notice that whenever we talk about poverty-stricken couples... They have shit ton of kids, don't they? A lot of kids are going on there. That tells me that actually the internet and uh, you know and TV has its place because uh, less kids. Less you got, children. You got something better to do than sit there and fuck yeah, all the especially time. Especially on, on, war, on cold winter nights, huh? Well, that's what sheep are for. <laughs> well, you know, they say a lot of children are born within nine months of a natural disaster. Just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's true. Fact. My whole day is a natural disaster. So that explains well, a lot about Well, we just got to talk in last episode how you probably have a shit ton of kids out there we don't know about. Probably. Pretty soon people are going to come knocking on your door now that you have a podcast going, Daddy. Be, Daddy. My name is Ho Jung Lin Alexander. I'm a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you're mine. I mean, proof- How big were you when you were born? No, yep, I'm a guy. This one. What were the first words that you said? Oh, it was a fuck me running. No, <laughs> no yeah. You're mine. That's genetics right there. All right. Great. And they play the guitar. No, you can stop now. It's cool. Yeah. Come on in. <laughs> Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. <laughs> yeah. Those who knew the family back then remember that he and his mother had an exceptionally close relationship, but he also had a good relationship with his father, who he looked up to as a role model. Oh, cool. Yeah. The once beautiful, blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby boy grew into a scruffy-looking little boy with dark, curly hair that he did not maintain well. He even managed to inherit a number of his mother's facial features. They actually said, um, I think the article, a couple of articles I read basically referred to as ugly, which I don't like to do because I don't know her, right? That's not my style. But anyways, 
The facial features he would inherit included a rather large sized mouth and a giant <coughs> gap in his teeth. He was often, often described as a gypsy. Okay? This unkept young boy was not a very bright student that often got in trouble during a time when it was perfectly acceptable for a teacher to dole out corporal punishment. You remember those days. Sadly, I do. <laughs> yeah, me too. Almost wish that we had the same laws then. Uh, me that we too. Did today. Me too. I'm yeah. telling you, a lot less crap would be happening in the schools today if you could just whoop a kid's ass with a ruler. I think that uh, parents should be called in to whoop their kids' ass. Like, you yeah. should be able to do it at school. Like, come right in and, hey, this is what Billy did. And because yeah. he's a little turd bucket. And give yeah. him a couple of good swats with your hand. I'm not saying, like, beat him with a club no. or anything. No. Although, sometimes when I'm in Walmart, you thinking, want Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, my I have some friends that when my son was growing up, one of his best friends, uh, they had they just had it on the wall. It was just a threat. Right? But it was uh, a hazing paddle from her sorority days. Sweet. And they called it the hearing aid. They yeah. literally said, do I need to go get the hearing aid? And they never used it on the kids. But the kids were like, oh, shit. It's up there. They can. Well, you know? I'll tell you this, and then we'll go on. My dad always had a saying, and he would look at me, and I can still do his voice to this day. And I, I'm going to call my stepmom and see if she still has his voice on the answer machine. He's been dead for, like, forever, like, for 15 years. He'd look at me up. Boy, Scott, Scott, come here. Now, look, boy, I'll tell you once. If you have a question, you <laughs> ask. Ain't no third time about it. You got that, boy? And I'm like, okay, Dad. And it was true. You can ask him any questions, but there ain't no, like, you know, saying, hey, go do the dishes three, four, five, six, seven yeah, times. No. Because he, he would tell you once, and my dad would backhand me into next year. Yeah. If yeah, I into the second Tuesday of next week, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With a, without without a, uh, even a hesitation, because he called that get your attention. Yeah. Precisely. No, precisely. I mean, there was always that. And I do not support child abuse at all. By the way, no, not mm. at all. But I I also support you know I support discipline. Oh, totally. Totally support discipline on every level. But anyways, um, each time that this happened, when he would have to get you know, corporal punishment by a teacher, his mother would march right down to the school and berate the teachers for daring to discipline her favorite son. This caused the other students to make fun of him and call him a mama's boy. Go figure. Oh, shit. Yeah. This guy isn't just like Harold Shipman, the one that we did yesterday, is he? Little mommy's boy and shit? Not really. No, not really, but it's even more disgusting. He ended up dropping out of school at age 15 to become a farmhand. It needs to be noted here that despite being 15 years old when he left school, he was practically illiterate. You think? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 15. Well, you should be able to fucking read and write and shit. You would think so. But by 15, he, still, he could still barely read and write. Jesus Christ. So that tells you what he didn't do in school. Okay. <laughs> anything. Anything. He answers anything. Yeah. So by the following year, by the time he was 16, he managed to clean himself up a little bit enough to attract the, be attracted to the ladies. And people <coughs> described him as somewhat aggressive in nature when it came to the opposite sex. A guy who went after any girl that drew his attention. No matter what. You already say he looked like a big gorilla, so I'd imagine he had the gorilla features. He's like, oh, well, you come here to no, my he kinda ha- It's really weird. I'll have to show you a picture of him, but he had this really weird... Fe- I mean, he was creepy looking to me in the picture, and I hadn't even read his story yet. Um, 
Let's see. It was also around this time that Fred would start claiming his father was having regular sex with his sisters, saying, I made you, so I'm entitled to have you. That could be accurate. That could be very accurate. I mean, you're, you're, it's sad to say, but during that time period, at least in the U.S., I can't attest for the U.K., Yes. You know, you're talking about the 60s? Um, yeah, he was born in... Probably in the 50s or 40s? He was born in 41, so by the time okay. he was 16, he was 40, I mean, 58. Yeah, so... 57, yeah. There's sadly, in a lot of rural areas, mm-hmm. a lot of incest going on. To this day. It, well, and to this day, there there's a bit too, but not as much as it right. was then, especially in the poorer populations. Correct. You know, it's, it's, it's just a sick fact of right. it. Well, and it also says that Fred was also a pathological liar, so nobody really knows if his father was guilty of incest or if Fred's claims of getting his own sister pregnant were really true or if they were just a product of his many lies. Oh. Yeah. So, let's move on. Age 17. Fred was in a motorcycle accident that left him in a coma for a week. He was seriously injured to the point where he had to have a metal plate put in his head and one of his legs was broken and would be permanently shorter than the other. Some people claim this accident caused him to have sudden impulsive fits of rage and he would often lose control over his emotions after that. Um, I'm going to get his back on that because yeah, that could be possible. Bobby Joe Long. I was going to say, Bobby Joe Long. He, right. You know, he, he was a little... I wanna, I'm not going to say really off. I would, I would say... More su- really super submissive, given the, the right. his track record Until with his mom. Until he had those those head injuries, right? Given the track record with his mom and and, and his and his wife when he mm-hmm. got married. Until he had the motorcycle wreck, and then things changed. Like his his sexual appetites went up, where he was masturbating five times a day, right? And then would go home when he got released from the hospital after convalescing. Uh, was you know banging away on his on his wife twice a day, which would make most women happy, but still masturbating five times a day. Yeah, and that still wasn't satisfying enough. And it still wasn't. So yeah, I yeah. Could, I could totally see. Me too. How that is legitimate. Mm-hmm. Now, he. Let's see. Shortly after he recovered from the accident, he met a girl by the name of Catherine Bernadette Costello, and those who knew her called her Rena. Okay. She was a beautiful 16-year-old girl who had been in trouble with the authorities since she was young. And when she met Fred, she was an accomplished thief, and they became lovers almost from the very beginning. Now, <laughs> I didn't put this in my notes, but considering what you just said about Bobby Long, it's important to re- notice here that after his accident, he was very... Um, it took a lot to arouse him sexually. Okay, so he was the opposite yeah. of Bobby Joe. Well, no, he he was very aroused by sex, but in order to like get off or anything, he had to experience bondage and stuff like that. This is prior to the accident, no, or post? after the accident. Okay, no, but still, it, yeah. it still fits in the same category. Yeah, exactly. So, um, let's see, where did I leave off? Blah blah blah. Oh, I up here, down here. Okay. Anyway, so he met this girl by the name of Rena. Okay, she, when. She, Okay, got that. Theirs was a short-lived love affair in the beginning since she moved back home to Scotland for a while. Okay, that's where she was originally from. Did she move to the lock? She must have. She she probably missed Nessie. Hi, Fred. I need to move away. I need to go visit my friend Nessie. She's on the lock. (laughs) Anyways, shortly after she left, 
He was standing on the fire escape. Oh, no, this is when it happened. He was standing on the fire escape of a local youth club when a young woman, with a young woman, when he decided to stick his hand up her skirt. So he's already a bit randy, okay? She returned the gesture by knocking him off the fire escape. When he fell, he hit his head and lost consciousness for a period of time. Between this and this motorcycle accident, many suggest he suffered from some sort of brain damage, which I can see. Let me just, oh, yeah, let's totally. See. Let me see. So this, this is his second brain injury then. Yes. And this is when he became more sexually active. Not, the, not after the accident. My bad. Okay, so... Sometime in 1961, Fred, with the aid of a friend, stole some merchandise from a jewelry store and both were caught by the police with the items on their person. Both of them were fined and it marked the beginning of his trouble with the law. A few months later, a 13-year-old girl who had happened to be a friend of the West family accused him of getting her pregnant. He didn't think there was anything wrong with molesting little girls after all. Doesn't everyone do it? His question. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, hold on, hold but, on, hold on. Let me explain something to you, Mr. Fred. Not everybody does it. Nobody but sick fuckers like you do it. And if seriously, to this day, if somebody improperly touched my daughter, I would oh, dismember totally. them and they could dig them up in my garden. Yeah, and your daughter's a grown-ass woman. She is, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I see exactly what you're saying right there. So, this seemingly nonchalant attitude in regards to the molestation caused a rift in his family, and he was ordered to find another place to live. Okay? (laughs) He found work on construction projects, and it wasn't very long until he was found to be stealing from the sites and having sex with younger girls. There's a shocker. Yeah. When he went on trial for the molestation of the 13-year-old, his doctor claimed he suffered from epileptic fits. With this testimony from the doctor, he didn't receive any jail time for the act. So by age 20, Frederick West was con- a convicted child molester, a petty thief, and an utter disgrace to his family. Yeah, okay? uh, he would be. Yeah. Okay, now let's move on a little bit more with him. Sometime in 1962, his parents agreed to let him come back to live with them in, mu- in this much Markle place. That was the summer Rena actually came back from Scotland and immediately got back together with Fred. They seemed yes, to be, this is. Hi. Yeah. They seemed to be a perfect pair because she, too, had a record. Hers was for prostitution and burglary. The only complication to their relationship was the fact that she was pregnant with an Asian bus driver's baby. Oh, we did the love you a long time. Fred's parents already disapproved of their relationship, so if they knew this, they really wouldn't accept her as his girlfriend, let alone his wife. It was this disapproval that led them to secretly marrying in November of that year and moving to Scotland. Back to Scotland in the lock. So when the couple did this, they told his parents that the child she was carrying was his. Um, Okay? You know, guys, guys. Yeah. When he comes out with little slanty eyes and looks oh, hella wait. Asian. They have an excuse for that. Oh, please. Please <laughs> yeah. tell me what they got for In that March one. In March of 1963, when Charmaine was born, Fred and Re- had Rena write a letter to his mother to tell her that their baby had died during childbirth. And they ended up adopting another little mixed race baby instead. And it's a story his family seemed to buy. Okay, uh, it's it's believable, except 
well, maybe adoptions were probably way different than, you know, than they are now. Because um, now you, it's a process. You, you got to go through a lot of shit, man. If you if you yeah. want a baby, but apparently back then in 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 Monkey Scotland, they just handed out little Asian babies. Apparently so. There's like, oh, you want one? They're, there's a whole litter of them. They're like in that box <laughs> over there next to the puppies. Just grab and go, free, man. Free to a good home. Yeah, they're, they're free to any home, man. Yeah. You don't worry about a background check. Just just yeah. take take a little Asian baby. Yeah. So while living in Scotland, Fred actually began driving an ice cream truck, which is an occupation that gave him access to a great many young women <laughs> for which he could victimize. That is such a hey little girl moment. It is. Get in my ice cream truck, little girl. You know, I've got your big is, pop right I worked right for here. an ice cream company who distributed to ice cream trucks and I actually drove that ice cream truck. They had one that they took out on the weekends occasionally and I drove one one weekend and I totally felt like a perv even though I'm not. <laughs> I want to drive an ice cream truck by like a Weight Watchers convention. <laughs> You're cruel. Uh, what? I'd be like, hey, big girl, <laughs> get in my truck. You're I've so got disgusting. ice cream. You suck, fucker. Weight Watchers brand right here. Yeah. <laughs> What would, what would you do for a Klondike bar? <laughs> Not a damn thing. <laughs> for someone who had what seemed like an insatiable sex drive, like the one he had, this would be considered amazing because he had all, you know, all these victims to choose from. I say it's a, it's a, it's a buffet of pedophilia. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much what it does. Yeah. He, yeah. And he was unfaithful to Rena almost on an almost daily basis. So much so she and his daughter seemed like just an, afterthought to him after the fact he was pos- even the, despite the fact that he was possessive of them okay now hold on this is where it's going to sound funny but i am confused why would you seek sex somewhere else everybody you know the the old saying i want a uh, uh, chef in the kitchen and a hooker in the sheets dude you literally have a hooker in the, in sheets. the sheets you literally have that you know i'm pretty sure she would be down with anything funky you wanted to do Fairly it, sure. Pre- precisely. Exactly. She's a prostitute. Yeah. I mean, just you know, <laughs> yeah. So um, anyways, in 1964, Rena gave birth to Fred's daughter, Anna Marie. Their marriage by that point would be best described as on again, off again. And they had and they had also met a young lady by the name of Anna McFall, who'd lost her boyfriend in a tragic car accident. Oh, shitty for Anna. Right. So, by the time Anna Marie was born, Fred himself had been in an accident with the ice cream truck where a young boy had been killed. The accident wasn't his fault, but he was still worried he may lose his job. And so, for that reason, he moved back to <coughs> England with Raina, their two children, and this Anna woman, where he found a job working in a slaughterhouse. Go figure. <laughs> yeah. His marriage with Rena became more and more unstable to the point she wanted to go back to Scott to Glasgow and take the two children with her. He refused to let her take the children, so she ended up going back alone. But by July of 1996, she was so miserable without her daughters, she went back to Fred only to find out he and Anna were shacking up together in a trailer. Oh. Yeah. This made her mad, so she told the police that he was a sexual deviant, unfit to raise their children. And as it turned out, there had also been a total of eight sexual assaults reported in that area. And witnesses described a man that fit his description. Okay. So in early of 1967, 
Anna was pregnant with Fred's child, and she kept trying to get him to leave Rena and marry her. He responded to her requests by killing her and burying her somewhere near the trailer park they lived in sometime in July of that year. Oh, her see, and the unborn child. Fucking A, man. Yeah, he didn't just kill her and their unborn children and bury them. He dismembered her body first. Oh, so he's got like kind of a history of this shit yeah. going on now. Well, no, this is the beginning of it. Oh, the beginning of the history, yeah. yeah. As part of the dismemberment, he removed her fingers and her toes, which were not found with the other parts of her body. This would prove to be his calling card in future crimes. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right around the time Anna disappeared, Fred started acting really nervous. It wasn't until after Rena moved back in that he started acting like his old self again because he had just killed Anna, you know? Right. So he had her go out turning tricks to earn some income, and while she was gone, he would begin to molest young Charmaine without even being subtle about it. However, that's not all. Oh, my God. In January of 1968, a young 15-year-old by the name of Mary Bassholm was abducted from a local bus stop. It's believed in later years that Fred is the one who did it since he abducted other women from bus stops in the same manner she was taken. Not to mention there were many things that linked her to him. He was a customer at the cafe where she worked. He was hired to do some building work behind the same establishment. And she had been seen with a man... She had been seen with a girl that fit Anna's description, and one witness even claims to have seen her in his vehicle at one point. Shit. Okay? So by February, Fred's mother, Daisy, had passed away due to complications from gallbladder surgery she had, and this sent him on a course of committing petty thefts, which in turn caused him to jump from job to job, and it was November of 1969, while he was working as a bakery delivery driver, that he met Rose Letts, who would end up being his next wife and soulmate. Sick, <laughs> sick soulmate. Jesus. Okay? So, who was Rosemary Letts? Let's see here. Why is my pages all fucked up? Hang on. Um, Rosemary Letts was born November 29th of 1953 in Devon, England. Her father, Bill, was a diagnosed schizophrenic, and her mother, who was also named Daisy, suffered from severe depression. No, they're not related. <laughs> so it should go without saying that her childhood was less than ideal. It was well known that her father was a violent man who demanded obedience at all times from his wife and children, no questions asked. He also often drifted from one low-paying job to another since he had frequent psychotic episodes that made it difficult him, for him to function properly. Okay, Ooh, And okay. back then, in the 50s... Schizophrenia, schizophrenia wasn't as well really, treated as yeah, it is now. Yeah, it wasn't. I think the best way they treated schizophrenia was electroshock. Uh, didn't they have lithium then? They might have. I can't remember if they had... Uh... Anyway, go ahead. Anyways. Scracking my brain. No, so after giving birth to four children... In addition to trying to deal with her abusive husband, Daisy's depression caused her to be hospitalized in 1953. It was while she was there and receiving electroshock treatments that she gave birth to her fifth child, Rosemary. It was known, and every time I say that, I think Rosemary's baby. Right. It was unknown what the effect of the electroshock therapy had on the unborn child, but she was always described as being different from her siblings. 
Early on, she began the habit of rocking herself, especially in her crib. And if she was put in her bassinet without it being locked in place, she would rock it so much that it would slide across the room. Holy shit. As an infant. Jesus. Yeah. And as she got older, she would only rock her head back and forth. And she would do so for hours on end. And this was the first indication that her family had that she was just a little, quote unquote, bit slow. Right. She was also known to rock her head for so long, she seemed to rock herself into a hypnotic state of semi-unconsciousness, which wasn't normal by any standards. Okay? Those who knew her started calling her Dozy Rosie. Yeah. And despite the fact she was rather beautiful with her big brown eyes, lovely brown hair, and nice clear complexion, it's noted that she wasn't very intelligent. She was, however, smart enough to learn early on to do whatever her father wanted her to do immediately. As a result, she was the only one that ever received any of his affections and was spared his vicious beatings. Oh, yeah. Okay. So by the time she was a teenager, she was beginning to show signs of being very sexually promiscuous. She would walk around the house naked after her baths, and she would also climb into her younger brother's bed and fondle him sexually. Since she was forbidden to date boys her age, she began to focus her interest in sex on older men in the area. And by January of 1968, she and other girls in the community feared for their safety after a young girl by the name of Mary Bessold disappeared from a bus stop. (laughs) The disappearance was thought to be associated with several rapes that were also reported in the area. By early 69, Daisy was tired of the abuse her husband was doling out, so she took Rose, who was 15 years old, and moved in with her daughter, Glennis, and her husband. Since her father was no longer around to keep an eye on her, Rosemary could carry on with her older men. Her brother-in-law even claimed she tried to seduce him. In mid-1969, Rose took everyone by surprise when she moved back in with her father and most because actually most people thought that they had an incestuous relationship, but it was never substantiated. Okay? Okay. One thing that was quite obvious, Rose seemed destined for a life of unhappiness. She was not very intelligent, she didn't have a pleasant temperament, and she was a consummate underachiever. She was rebellious of authority and she had no apparent goals other than to find a lover quite a bit older than herself. And that's when she met Fred West. Those two really do sound like a match made Made in heaven, heaven, huh? A pair destined to be together. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, man, if if you could write down all the loser qualities of both of them, okay, you have to be dumb as shit, be, you know, a not pleasant person and, you know, all this. Ah, there you go. Yeah, pretty much. So theirs would be they would be bound by love and death. Okay? Okay. No matter how he seemed to be limited as what some would consider an ideal parent, one thing was for sure. Bill did not like Fred. He felt he was a completely undesirable boyfriend for his daughter. And when he found out Fred and Rose were sleeping together, he tried to complain to social services. But when that failed, he actually showed up at Fred's house at the trailer park and threatened him. 
by the time she was 16 years old, she was pregnant with Fred's child. So she left her father's house and moved into Fred's to take care of Charmaine and Anna Marie, as well as deal with Fred, who always seemed to be in trouble with the law. Okay? Okay. Rose gave birth to a girl named Heather in 1970. So now she was taking care of three children, a boyfriend who was in jail, and she had money problems. As a result, she would almost... It should almost go without saying that she had some anger issues. Okay? She completely resented having to take care of Raina's children, so she treated them horribly. Charlene, Charmaine suddenly went missing one day in the summer of 1971. Rose told her, her sister Anna Marie that Rena had come and got her, but it's believed that Rose actually lost her temper and went beyond just the usual beating she often gave the girl. Whatever the case... Since Fred was in jail when it was determined that Charmaine was murdered, his involvement probably only involved him helping to bury her under the kitchen floor at the home they lived in on Midland Road, where it was discovered over 20 years later. Jesus Before Christ. she was buried, her fingers, her toes, and her kneecaps were removed. I'm so yeah. fucking disgusted. Yeah. His daughter. Yeah. Okay. Now, Fred would hold over Rose's this is something Fred would hold over Rose's head for the rest of her life on the occasions her father would try to take her away from Fred he would he wouldn't hesitate to remind her come on Rosie you know what we've got between us her father would notice how this statement would make Rose get so upset so much so that she would tell him you don't know him there's nothing he wouldn't do even murder Jesus Christ okay so it's like it's almost like it's out there and nobody's doing anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. So with a large population of West Indians in the area they lived in, Rose turned to prostitution to earn money. She would invite the men over to the house to have sex with her, either for money or for fun, because Fred, who enjoyed being a voyeur, would encourage this behavior and often watch from a peephole he had made. God okay. damn. His sexual appetite didn't allow for him to be interested in sex on the ordinary level. Sex with him often involved bondage, toys, sadism, and even acts of lesbianism performed in front of him um, to even get him aroused on any level. He often took erotic photos of her and ran them as ads in swingers magazines. Holy shit. Yeah. So when Rose murdered Charmaine, it opened up an opportunity for Fred in regards to his first wife, Rena. In August of 1971, she sought out Walter, his Fred's father, hoping he would be able to tell her what happened to Charmaine. Fred figured he had no choice but to kill her. It's most <laughs> likely he had her come over to the house where he got her quite drunk before he strangled her. He then dismembered her body, cutting off her fingers and toes before placing the rest of her body in garbage bags and burying, them, burying her in the same area he had buried Anna earlier. Later that same year, Fred and Rose became friends with their new neighbor, Elizabeth Aegis who happened to babysit for them on several occasions. On those nights, after the couple returned home, she would ask them where they had been, to which they answered her candidly. They told her they were out driving around looking for young virgins. She assumed they were joking until she was openly hit on by Fred, and then there was another time she believed they drugged her and raped her. Well, There's no proof because she was drugged. Well, yeah, that's... You know, 
kind of goes along with the homoka thing. Yeah. Just saying. Or even the toy box thing. Yeah, and the toy box thing. So that's yeah. pretty fucking common. Yeah. So Fred and Rose were married in January of 1972. By June, they had another daughter who they named Mae West. Go figure. <laughs> Poor girl. After May was born, they decided they needed to move to a house to raise their growing family and accommodate Rose's prostitution business. That's when they moved to number 25 Cromwell Street. Not much to look at on the outside. It was large on the inside with a garage and cellar. They even began to take in lodgers to help pay for the rent. Now... Fred told Elizabeth he had plans for this cellar. He openly told her that he was either going to turn it into a nice place for Rose to entertain her clients or fix that. Um, he would make it into a soundproof torture chamber for his personal use. Whatever he turned it into, the first person victimized in this location was his eight-year-old daughter, Anna Marie. Okay? Right, right. Okay, that's fucking sick, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, well, this is even sicker. So, um, let's see here. Fred and Rose took the little girl into the room, undressed her, and told her that she was a lucky little girl to have parents that cared about her so much that they wanted to make sure she was able to satisfy the man she would marry in the future. That's oh, when they fuck. tied her hands behind her back and put a gag in her mouth. Rose then held her down so that her father could rape her. He caused her so much pain, she wasn't able to go to school for several days. And when she was finally able to go back to school, they told her if she told anyone about the rape, they would beat her. This wouldn't be the only time they victimized her. There was another time Fred came home on his lunch break from work just to tie her down and rape her before he went back to work a short time later. Jesus Christ. Yeah. What the fuck? Exactly. Holy shit. Exactly. So in late 1972, Fred and Rose hired a 17-year-old girl by the name of Caroline Owens as a nanny. When they did so, they promised her family that they would watch out for her while she lived with them. Caroline was so attractive that Rose and Fred would compete with her, with each other, to seduce her. Okay? She Jeez. found their behavior quite repulsive and told them she was leaving. That's when Fred and Rose took her into the cellar, stripped her naked, and raped her. Fred told her that if she didn't do what they wanted her to do when they were finished, they would kill her and bury her body under the paving stones in town. She was so scared that she believed him. She was finally able to get them to let her go, and when she went home and her mother saw the bruises, she finally told her the truth, and they called the police. The couple was arrested, and a hearing was set for January of 1973. Fred was 31 years old, and Rose was only 19, and once again pregnant with Fred's child. Okay? So, even ever the con men, Fred convinced the judge that Carolyn was a willing participant, and despite his extensive criminal record, the judge believed him and found that the West were not capable of such violence, and he let them both go with a small fine. Isn't that the way it is? I'm, I'm serious, man. Yeah. All the hardcore fucking sickos like these two pieces of shit. They get yeah, away with a lot. They get away with a lot. And they go, oh, we don't see how they could have done that. Mm -hmm. Poor sweet people. This is a mistake. Yeah, but you and I drive down the road, and we're already guilty. <laughs> 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 yeah, you that's would, true. You six-foot-tall, dreadlock, yeah, black we, dude. Yeah, we've talked about Vancouver PD and me. Yeah. 
I'm guilty just by walking out my fucking front door. Yeah, pretty much. So by this time, they developed a friendship with a young seamstress by the name of Linda Go. She eventually moved into the house to take care of the children, but something happened in the relationship, and the couple ended up murdering her. When he dismembered her, he removed her fingers, toes, and kneecaps before burying her somewhere in the garden. And when her family came looking for her, they were told that although she had stayed there with them at one point, she had since left, and they did not know where she was. Okay? Okie dokie. Okay. Now, it seems... We're finally into the year 1973 was a year of celebration for the West. Not only did they walk away from an abduction and rape charge with nothing more than a small fine, they murdered a woman without repercussions, and in August, their first son, Stephen, was born. Their next victim was a 15-year-old by the name of Carol Ann Cooper. They abducted her and took pleasure in her sexually until she lost her entertainment value to them, and they ended up strangling her before they dismembered her and buried her the same way they did all the others in the garden of the house they lived in at 25 Cromwell Street. Jesus Christ. Fred would then go on to make improvements to the house at very strange hours. He enlarged the cellar, demolished the garage, in order to build an extension onto the main house. And a little over a month after that was complete, a university student by the name of Lucy Partington, who was home visiting her mother on Christmas break, turned up missing. She was last seen leaving to go to the bus stop on the 27th of December, shortly after 10 p.m. Okay? That was when she had the misfortune of meeting Fred and Rose, who were later said to have knocked her out and abducted her. They then took her back to their place where they kept her captive and tortured her for about a week before she was murdered, dismembered, and buried like the others. Although both Carol Ann Cooper and Lucy Partington were reported missing, there was nothing to tie them to the two girls to the West. So they weren't even suspects in their disappearances. Jeez. Three more young women, 21-year-old Therese Siegenthaler, 15-year-old Shirley Hubbard, and 18-year-old Juanita Mott were also met... I misspelled something, sorry, and it's bugging me. Met the same fate between April of 74 and April of 75. These three young ladies were tortured, dismembered, and buried beneath the cellar floor of the house. Their rituals before, before, during, and after each murder were becoming more and more sadistic as well. Bondage was becoming more of a thrill and becoming more integral in their routine. For instance, they wrapped Shirley's head completely with tape and placed a small plastic tube into her nose so so that she could breathe while they raped and tortured her. What the fuck? And Juanita would be subject to even more extreme form of bondage. She was gagged with a device made from two long white nylon socks a bra, and two pairs of tights. Then she was tied up with a plastic-covered rope, similar to that which is used for outside clothesline. And she was tied up in such a way that she could only wiggle around like a trapped animal. Jesus Christ. Finally, they used a length of rope with one end forming some sort of a noose, which they used to suspend her body from the beams of the cellar. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, and they went on to describe further how she was tied up, but I didn't understand it. So I was just like, you know what? I'm not even going to try. 
The incredible thing about everything is this. With everything he had going on at home, he continued to attract the attention from the law enforcement because he continued to steal and attempt to fence his stolen goods. Apparently, it was necessary for him to make a living by stealing because he had to pay for the home improvement projects he had to keep doing to cover up their murdering with more and more layers of concrete. You know, with everybody they're killing, they have to have a place to bury them, right? Right, right, right. So, sometime in 1976, they met a young woman known simply as Miss A by the courts because she got away, so she testified later. Oh, good. Okay, so when she was staying at the home... For what they met her while she was staying at a home for wayward girls. They took her back to their house where she was led into a room where two girls were already held naked and captive. She herself was raped by Fred and sexually assaulted by Rose while she also witnessed the other two girls being tortured. It is believed that one of the girls in the room was Anna Marie. Okay. Jesus Christ. Since she was usually always the target of Fred and Rose's sexual sadism during that time. And not only did Fred continue to rape and torture Anna Marie over the years, he would also bring his friends over so they could have sex with her as well. Just fucking Christ. He is actually worse than the toy box killer. Yeah. He's actually worse than Homolka. Yeah. I, you know what? I never thought I would say it. It actually pains me to say it. Yeah. It really does. But I will. Fuck. This is chewing at my fucking insides. This. These two pieces of garbage. Yeah are actually worse than Hermolka. Well, and you know what? It, it doesn't stop there. The upstairs portion of the house was remodeled so they could take in lodgers. One of these lodgers was an 18-year-old former prostitute by the name of Shirley Robinson, who was openly bisexual. So she was attracted to both of them. Okay? Okay. Fair enough. And, yeah. In 1977, she de- developed a relationship with both Fred and Rose, becoming pregnant with Fred's child after Rose had become pregnant by one of her clients who was an African-American male, probably West Indian. So, you know, a black male. Okay. Although Fred was clearly pleased Rose was carrying another man's baby, which is odd to me. Although maybe not because it's another toy for him to play with later. I was just going to say the same thing. If it's a daughter... Yeah. Precisely, sick fucker. Sorry. I expected you to go on for a second, but you no. of course you always stop as I'm middle of a puff on my bait. Oh, I'm saving all my anger and rage for oh, the end. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to probably have to leave the room to hear it. But although okay, uh Rose was not happy some other woman was carrying his child. Shirley also thought, albeit foolishly, that she could take Rose's place in Fred's life. Thinking this alone put her life in danger, and Rose was quick to make it clear that Shirley had to go. Of course. Seven months later, Rose gave birth to Tara in December of 1977, and Shirley ended up, like all the others, dead, dismembered, and buried in the garden. Oh, look at that. Another baby girl. Yeah. However, this time, Fred took the time to dismember her and their, and their unborn child. Oh. Yeah, disgusting. Jesus huh? Christ, man. By 1978, Fred and Rose had yet another daughter named Louise. She was the sixth child in this completely dysfunctional household. Not only that, Fred had also gotten Anna Marie pregnant during this time, but that pregnancy had to be terminated since it was a fallopian pregnancy. Oh, okay. Well, that well, lucky her is yeah, all I can lucky, say. That's a lucky, lucky chick, man. You know, those are painful, but lucky her. 
Um, Rose's father died in May of 79, and within a few months, she and Fred killed another teenager by the name of Allison Chambers. After they took their time raping and torturing her, she was buried in what they were referring to as their overflow cemetery in the rear garden of their house. Jesus Christ. So they were starting to refer to it as the cemetery. By this time, the children were well aware that horrible things were happening at home. They knew for sure that Rose was a prostitute, and they knew Anna Marie was a constant victim of their father's rape. When she was finally able to move out and go live with a boyfriend, he focused his sexual attention on Heather and May. Okay? Right, right. Heather would resist him the most, and as a result, she was often beaten. Rose wasn't done giving birth either. She had a second son in June. Okay, so by now they had, what, seven children? She gave birth. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, she gave birth to a son in June of 80, which is eight, named him Barry. Another daughter, number nine, who was not Fred's, they named Rosemary Jr., was born April of 1982. So that's nine kids. And another daughter, who was half black like Tara and Rosemary Jr., was born in July of 1982. So that's, what, ten kids now? It's fucking ridiculous. Okay. Um, They named this daughter Luciana. By this time, the stress of all the children at home began to make Rosa's already bad temper even worse, and she began to beat the children without provocation. Okay? In 1986, the wall of silence that protected the West would be broken. Heather told a girlfriend of her father's girlfriend of her father's unwanted advances, her mother's numerous affairs and all the beatings she received by their hands. This girlfriend went and told her parents, who happened to be friends of the West, which is what most likely put Heather's life at risk. She was killed shortly after and the other children and the other children were told that she simply left home. However, Fred did ask his oldest son, Stephen, to help him dig a hole in the garden. That night, while everyone was asleep, he buried her dismembered body in that very same Yeah, because that's not suspicious. Hey, Stephen, by the way, since your sister, quote unquote, ran off, can you help me dig this hole? Dig me a hole. Yeah. Yeah. So Rose continued her prostitution and built the business by advertising in certain magazines. The couple were seeking a woman they could use to participate in their shared sexual perversions, as well as a young lady to prostitute out under Rose's wing. They thought they found such a person in a woman they, by the name of Catherine Halliday, but she became, and she became a solid fixture in their household. But when she saw the bondage suits, masks, and other paraphernalia they had on hand, she became quite alarmed and quickly ended her relationship with them. Why? Okay, hold on. While while it's probably her best bet, just seeing that stuff, some people are just into a little bit of S&M and bondage, so... Right, but I'm wondering if it was to the extreme that she was actually in fear for her life. No, that's true. I'm just saying you you shouldn't judge people just because they have some whips and some bondage gear. No, I don't judge you for what you have in your closet, so... Well, wait till I start hanging it up on the walls. Uh, and we're done. I'm thinking a whole bondage motif for my bedroom. Uh, in your bedroom or right here above the couch? Above the couch, too. Okay, well, I was going to say, you know, punishment this way. There you... Oh, yeah, big old sign, neon sign. Around the corner. <laughs> um, let's see. Fred and Rose started to become a little concerned about creating a modicum of respectability. Not because they cared so much what other people lot of them but because they were worried that if word got out about what that what was going on in their house 
their very freedom would be in jeopardy. And for good reason. Well, you think? As their luck was running out. Yeah, because, you know, BDSM is not a crime. Yeah. Murder, however, and dismembering bodies. And, and fucking molestation and, molestation and rape and, and torture rape. are. Yeah, that's kind of mega felonies. That, that's death mega. penalty shit. Yeah. So one of the girls that Fred had raped. Excuse me. Sorry, I had a big gun all of a sudden. One of the girls that Fred had raped with the assistance of Rose was able to tell a friend about what had happened to her. This friend went to the police, and the case was assigned to a persistent detective constable by the name of Hazel Savage. Hazel actually knew of Fred from her, his days with Rena, and she remembered the stories Rena had told her back then about Fred's perversions. Okay? So in August of 1992, authorities arrived at the house with a search warrant in hand to look for pornographic material and any evidence of child abuse. They found a plethora of pornography and arrested Rose on charges of assisting in the rape of a minor and Fred for rape and sodomy of a minor. Then Hazel okay. Savage set about interviewing their family and friends. When she talked to Anna Marie, she got a firsthand account of the way the girl had been so savagely abused by her parents. The girls also told the detective about her concerns for her sister Charmaine who hadn't been seen in all these years. This gave Savage all she needed to bring child abuse charges against the West. She just needed more investigation to find out what happened to Charmaine, Rena, and Heather. She didn't believe the story that Heather had just disappeared without a trace because when she checked insurance and tax records, they showed that Heather was never employed, nor has she visited a doctor in four years. Jesus. The detective figured she'd either left the country or she was dead. It also doesn't help the fact that the kids would also say that the parents threatened them, and I think I might have this a little later, would threaten them and tell them if they did anything wrong, they'd end up in the garden like Heather. Well, that's a typical thing of, of their type of people. If you think yeah. about rapists and, um, and other molesters, it's never a, a thing where they, they, they've ne never once has, has any of them said, hey, by the way, if you tell anybody, you know, um, then I'm not going to like you. Right. Type of a thing. It's always with a harsh threat. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like, if you tell anybody, I'll kill your parents. We've heard that one before. Uh, yeah, um, that's the one my molester used. If you, if you tell anybody, then I'll come back and do you harm. Right. You know, um, it's always a heavy-duty threat. Right. Like that. So, yeah, I'm just, just saying. That's, God, I'm I know. So, I'm it? so disgusted with these two pieces of garbage. Yeah. Okay, now. The younger children were removed from the house and placed in the care of the government. Since Fred was in jail, Rose felt the walls closing in around her, and she tried to commit suicide by taking a handful of pills. Too bad she didn't succeed. Right? This was back in 1992. Okay? This is before the search warrant for Heather. Okay? Um, since Fred was in jail at the time... Oh, I already said that. Stephen found her and was able to save her life, and that's when she chose to escape her loneliness by watching Disney movies and stuffing her face with candy. It's a whole new world. What? A little little mermaid for you? Just trying to help out. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> like that one? That one's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> Fred's luck was holding in prison for the time being as two of the key witnesses against them were choosing not to testify. However, that wouldn't last long since the unexplainable reason for Heather's disappearance was eating away at the mind of Hazel Savage. Okay? She just couldn't get over where this girl went. 
Um, after taking over the case, Hazel launched her own inquiry into the whereabouts of Heather. When there was absolutely no sign of the girl, she felt the rumors that Heather was buried in the garden were in fact true. There was, okay, this is where it is. There was the threat Fred often used with the children. He would tell them that if they didn't keep quiet, they would end up under the patio like Heather. Yeah, no, and it makes sense because yeah. you have to think of controlling behaviors. We've talked about good controlling and bad controlling right. behaviors. Okay, so let's reiterate for those of uh, you that didn't. Uh, who are new to our show. Yeah, who are new. A good controlling behavior would be like when you tell your kids, okay, it's, uh, it's 9 o'clock and you need to go to bed. And they say no. And you tell them, no, you're going to go to bed or you're going to lose privileges. Well, it's a controlling behavior, but it is a proper controlling Correct. behavior. What Fred is doing right now is an improper controlling behavior, which is using a threat right. to gain something. Right. You know, and, and that's – so everybody hears controlling behavior and they go, oh, it's a bad thing. No, no, there, there's appropriate and inappropriate controlling right. behaviors. Right. Exactly. No, I agree. Um, let's see here. There was, this was turning into a media sensitive case of which detective superintendent John Bennett was in charge. The authorities were finally able to get a warrant to search the West house and garden. And this would not be a trivial matter as the garden itself measured 15 by 60 feet. Are you taking a selfie? I am. A friend of mine uh, sent me a message on, uh, on Facebook. On Twitter? I mean, on Tinder? <laughs> no, not on Grinder, Scott? <laughs> Gay Grinder for Scott. No. Anyways, this would be a trivial matter as the garden itself wouldn't be a trivial matter because the garden itself measured 15 by 60 feet and the extension Fred had built for the house was built over a section of the garden. So they'd have to tear it part of the house. This search would be laborious, expensive, and attract a lot of media attention. <laughs> you think? Okay. It did help the investigation somewhat when Fred confessed to being the one to kill his daughter. Okay, so now we're back to the beginning part. And now they have just cause to actually tear the house down. Correct. If they have to. Right. And when the other bones were found in the garden, when Rose heard Fred had confessed, she claimed that Fred sent her to run errands the day that Heather disappeared, and she knew nothing of the murder. Okay? After all that, the police began the daunting task of digging up the large garden. In the meantime, Fred was released until there were more evidence to hold him. He would watch as the authorities dug up more and more of his yard, so he knew it was only a matter of time before they found all of the bodies, Heather's included. I'm already appalled at what their local cops did. You released him, he just admitted not once but twice i want to add yeah he admitted recanted and, and then admitted. admitted again yes. that he offed his daughter and dismembered her mm -hmm. he admitted that mm -hmm. at bare minimum you lock that crazy son of a bitch up until you sort it all out and if he's innocent he's innocent that's fine but there's something mentally wrong with him if he's into if, if he's innocent and he's and he's Admitting this stuff. You don't sit there and go, okay, well, you go back home until we sort this all out and we get more evidence. What the fuck? Exactly. Exactly. I'm really trying not to get on my high horse. Yeah. But this is pissing me off more and more. Okay, but wait. It's going to piss you off even more. Great. And in an attempt to protect Rose, Fred would claim full responsibility for the murders. He was originally charged with the murder of Heather, Shirley Robinson, and, yet, and the yet-to-be-identified third woman. Okay? Okay. In the meantime, the police launched an investigation into the disappearance of Rena and Charmaine. Also around this time, for some unknown reason, Fred decided to tell the detectives about the girls he'd buried in his cellar. 
He admitted to killing them, but he maintained he did not rape them, that these women, he said, wanted to have sex with him. Yeah, in his little torture dungeon. Okay, yeah, no, let's roll with that, Fred. Yeah, Yeah. because that makes a lot of fucking sense. Yeah, I didn't rape them. They wanted to have sex with me in my torture dungeon, but then I just killed them. But then I killed them afterwards, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, every time that I go out and I have, uh, you know, sex with women. You you kill them? I kill them automatically. That's part of it, you know. Matter of fact, I tell them, hey, you want to make a call on the bone phone? Great. Let's have a little fun. But afterwards, remember, got to kill you. You're so fucking disgusting. <laughs> it's the bone phone comment, isn't it? I just can't get over you. Sometimes. It's long distance. It, no, it's not. <laughs> oh, you're so fucking mean to me. Jesus I, Christ, man. You know I love you. If I didn't pick on you, you'd think I didn't love you. No 911 call for you. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. I can't even. No more. No more. I have to add some humor, especially this one here, because. No, we need to. It's if disgusting. they're alive, I seriously want to hunt them down in their prisons and fucking gouge mm. your eyes out and piss them and piss in their eye sockets. Okay. While they were talking with Fred about the murders, the police struggled with the evidence. They were having trouble lining up the bodies with names. They discovered nine sets of bones in the cellar alone. Jeez. But they did not know where they who they belonged to. Fred wasn't any help since he didn't know the names of some of the women he had deducted, which I believe. Okay, no, I can dig that, except for the fact that he said, yeah, um, these all wanted to have sex with me, and then I killed them. At least you should remember a name. Like, you know what I mean? Like Even a I, first name. Because, I've, you know, I've been around the block, and there's some names that are kind of fuzzy in my name, but in my mind. But, you know, you sit there and go, what's her name? Debbie... Donna, Dixie, you're going to have a, at least something you can yeah. add. You know what I mean? Precisely. It's, it's, a, it's a D name. I, oh, I didn't know who the fuck she was. Right. I just, yeah, she came into my sex dungeon. I boned her, murdered her, and buried her. Yeah. The fuck So when pig, they took man. into account the number of women who went missing every year, there would be a lot of work that needed to be done to match up each missing person report with the remains they found. Fuck me. Is that your lawn people? Lawn people. Hey, let's see if they do your backyard like they're supposed to. So, as you can probably imagine, Rose quickly abandoned Fred to save her own skin. She tried to portray herself as a victim to Fred's murderous ways. However, she wasn't very convincing on that front. The authorities worked hard to try to tie her into the crimes as well. With Fred's cooperation, the investigators were able to locate the bodies of Rena, Anna McFall, and Charmaine, which were at that other property. Okay? I was like, whoa, let there be light. Yeah, I'm kind of like, uh, kind of like God. No, you're forth, not, but okay. I forth light from the darkness with yeah. my phone. When it came to the case of Mary Bassam, Fred quit cooperating, and her body was not found. At their joint hearing, the great partnership that Fred and Rose had <coughs> shared was obviously over. He made an attempt to console her, but she avoided him like the plague and told the police that he made her sick. Hey, that's a smart call, okay? I'm going to give it up to her for that, because unlike... Harold Shipman's old lady, yeah. who wasn't a murderer, just an idiot. She's not sitting there going, I have my man's back. She's like, Mm-mm, motherfucker. Yeah. No, you're on your own. Adios, motherfucker. Yeah. Anyways, this rejection by Rose was devastating to Fred. December 13th, 1994, he was charged with 12 counts of murder. And again, Rose brushed him off. 
That's when he wrote her a letter saying, we will always be in love. You will always be Mrs. West all over the world. This is important to me and you. Okay. Then just before noon. Pause that for a fucking second. How did somebody who's illiterate, who didn't know how to read or write, write her a fucking letter? Was it like all in crayon? No, he could have had somebody write it for him. I was just thinking maybe he got crayon. It was all symbols or something. Yeah, right. So, um, anyways, just before noon on New Year's Day at the Winston Green Prison in Birmingham, while the guards were away at lunch, Fred would hang himself in his cell with strips of bed sheets. He had obviously planned his suicide in advance so that it would be a while before he was discovered. Sweet. So he committed suicide before he even went to trial. And that's fucked up, man. I think that he should have had some... Yeah. Torture of his own. Yeah, precisely. Because we all know that if he would have made it to prison, he would have had to been in protective custody on some level. Oh, yeah. Somebody would have fucking grabbed him and ass raped him. Yeah. Which is exactly what he deserves. Seriously. Oh, seriously. And I'm not talking like, hey, you're not my bitch and kind of maybe being gentle. I'm talking like, put his face down on the bed, fucking ass rape him until he bleeds and has to be stitched back together. Because that is what this piece of garbage deserves. Dry. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) totally dry. Not even any spit. Nope. Don't even spit shine that motherfucker. Nope. So, with only a minute amount of actual evidence connecting her to the actual murders, Rose's trial began on October 3rd of 1995. There were a number of witnesses, which included Carolyn Owens, Miss A, and Anna Marie, that chose to testify against her for her sexual assaults. Both sides had a goal when it came to this trial. The prosecutor, Brian Levison, would present a plethora of circumstantial evidence in the hopes of proving her guilt. Her defense attorney, Richard Ferguson, set out to prove that sexual assault was not the same as murder and that Rose, in fact, did not have knowledge of Fred's actions when he murdered, dismembered, and subsequently buried the bodies. Here, here's my thought on this, okay? Like, for real. Okay. You, your husband buried a ton of bodies. This including isn't just one. your daughter. Including your daughter, okay? So it's not like one that maybe he, you were sleeping, you're a heavy sleeper, you know, and mm-hmm. you sneak out in the middle of the night and you dug the grave and then threw it in there, okay? And everything is kind of like low-key. There's a lot of bodies going on. And you're telling me, you're t- this woman's trying to tell people, I had no idea what was going on. Lady, you could be blind, deaf, and dumb. Yeah. And fucking you could figure this shit out. You could be Helen fucking Keller. Yeah, you could be Helen Keller and you'll figure this shit out and you didn't know? Yeah. Fuck's sake. Yeah. So the defense's biggest mistake, though, was letting Rose get up on the stand and testify. Well, I would think, man, because she's just as stupid as Fred. Well, and she was defiant as that always, and that aspect of her personality really came through to the jury. The prosecution found out early that if they wanted to extract any damaging testimony from her, all they had to do was make her angry. So with with her testimony, the jury learned two things. One, Rose, Rose was violent towards children. And two, Rose did not know how to tell the truth to save her life. (laughs) Jesus Christ So the defense made a last ditch effort To show Rose's innocence in the murders By playing Fred's confession tapes The tapes were where he went Into vivid detail on how he murdered Their victims while she was gone The thing about those tapes That went against Rose was that he was lying On key points which cast a doubt On his entire statement Oh totally yeah Yeah. I figured So dramatic evidence was given by a lady By the name of Janet Leach Who was considered the appropriate adult or witness to these confessions. Um, So she was called in to witness Fred's confession, and he would tell her privately 
off the taped recording that Rose had in fact murdered Charmaine and surely without any help from him whatsoever. But he and Rose had made a deal that if anything ever happened and they were arrested for their crimes, he would take the blame for them. That's what it sounded like to me early on. It was like they had already discussed this. Yeah. And everything was premeditated. Yeah. Like, I'll take the fall. Don't yeah. worry about it. Exactly. That was, that was kind of evident to me when they stayed up all night talking and then he went to the police car the next morning saying, I killed her. Right. So, okay. One, yeah. I try to find something good about every serial killer that we do. I try. At least Fred seems like he really did actually love Rosemary. On some level. You know, so I'm, I'm going to kind of, I'm going to give him that. Because if you're willing to take that big of a fall. Yeah. You know, okay. So and I, did he think that him committing suicide would just free her up? Yeah. No harm, no foul. Like, think about it, man. Hey, if I, he's not well educated, okay? So we That's have to, true. We That's have to true. dumb ourselves down. We do. So we got to take our IQ down to about potato. I was going to say, that's going to be kind of hard. I mean, because not bragging or anything, you and I both know that we're in the top 2%. Oh, yeah. We've been tested. Yeah, I've been tested. So, like um, Sheldon. Um, yeah, I'm not crazy. My mom had me tested. But um, so dumb it down. Right. In his mind, he's probably thinking, okay, if I commit suicide, I don't have to go through trial. And right. this is all going to blow away. Because, hey. I've already confessed. I've already done the confession, yeah. They're right. already pinning this on me. And what good does it do to uh, bring charges against the dead man and his grieving wife? This is true. This is true. I can see that. Okay, let's see here. The, um, oh, hold on. I know. I hear him in the backyard. That's a fucking miracle. Uh, They're doing what they pay, get paid. They probably saw my car out there and didn't want me to yell at them again. And I appreciate that. Trust me. About <laughs> fucking time yeah. they're doing what I'm paying to this do. Anyways, this lady, Janet, was so disturbed by the private confession that he had made. She suffered a stroke from the stress. Holy shit. And the fact that Fred was no longer alive was the only thing that made her feel safe enough to give her testimony at Rose's trial. After she told her side of the story on the stand, she actually collapsed and had to be taken to the hospital. Yeah, that's how stressed out this woman was as a result of this. It's understandable. I mean, uh, let's do a quick recap, and I'll t- and then you know, so you can understand where I'm thinking. You're talking about a guy that there's a torture chamber, right? His total mo is BDSM torture, right. not just BDSM, because you know I've been around the block a few times, and BDSM isn't about torture. It's not. Um, and then. Rape, dismemberment, rape, and murder, dismemberment. Right, murder. I should put that in there. He's not like dismembering them while they're yeah. alive, and then burying them. Correct. So here's a guy who's also going to come off as very, 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 very aggressive, even when he's trying to be calm, because that's his nature. Precisely. That is exactly his nature, plus the controlling behaviors on top of that. Exactly. How do you control people in his mind? You've, you instill fear. You instill fear. Yes. Like his children, like the raping of his kids. Correct. Things like that. You instill that fear. Yes. So while he's given this confession, it's so ingrained in him. It's such a part of him. That's what he's doing. He exudes. Yes. He exudes Violence. Oh, yeah. So I totally understand why she's like, I don't want to even confess because this dude yeah, here. I don't even want to give my testimony. Yeah. This dude here will look at me and probably come across the courtroom and kill me mm-hmm. before your, I don't know if they call them bailiffs or royal guards or yeah. hat wearers or <laughs> pearl bearers, whatever the fuck they call them, can, is going to be able to stop this guy. Correct. 
No, I can see that too. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, so the prosecution basically summed it all up by calling Rose the mastermind or dominant partner in the whole disgusting web of crimes the couple committed. He said that the, and this is his quote, the evidence that Rosemary West knew nothing is not worthy of belief. The defense tried to stress the point that all the evidence pointed to Fred and Rose was just an unknowing bystander, so to speak. The jury didn't take long to deliberate before they delivered a guilty verdict on the murders of Charmaine, Heather, Shirley, and all the other girls that were buried on the property. There were 10 murder counts in all, and she was sentenced to life in prison for all of them. Good. Okay. She deserves a lot more than that, but yeah. There's a little bit more to this story. Four years after Rose's sentencing, on March 25th, 1998, this story once again was once again thrown into the media spotlight. Stephen West, their oldest son, told a reporter that he felt his father had indeed killed 15-year-old Mary Bethel. He relayed a conversation he had with his father while his father was still alive in December of 94, where Fred bragged to him that Mary's body... Okay, yeah. Mary's body would never be found. To press the issue, Stephen specifically mentioned Mary, to which his father replied, I will never tell anyone where she is. Jeez, okay? what a sick bastard. Yeah. See, and that, that's upsetting only because, and I've mentioned it before in other podcasts, that you know, if you're going to be a piece of shit, that's fine, but at least give these families some fucking closure. Right. And even though... There was no hard evidence in her case. Authorities have always considered Mary to be one of Fred's victims, a point he adamantly denied despite witnesses having seen her in his car around that time that she disappeared and the fact that he was a regular customer at her place of employment, all of which put him in the area at the time of the crime. Now, Mary's brother, Peter, who was also convinced she too was a victim of the West's, although he was a little relieved by the news Stephen provided. Since both of his parents had already died before they heard Stephen's story, he would, he would never be satisfied until they're able to locate her body. Okay? Some think, and I don't know why it has never been um, addressed further, that he buried her somewhere near that bus stop where he met Rosemary back in 1969. <coughs> so, okay. Yeah. I'm thinking... Check that area. It's a public area. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Especially now, because how they find bodies now. I was going to say, the deep penetrating radar. Yeah, exactly. And it, show, it shows disturbances. Even the, that the, those disturbances have been there for decades and decades or right. hundreds of you years. Right. You can tell the difference. Right. It, it goes from the, the, the rock layers. Right. To, and, and it's going to show that there was a disturbance right there. Right. You know, even if it had Ow. been previously excavated, our intern just racked his uh, shin. You okay there, Stud Muffin? Yeah. You okay there, big guy? Okay. Yeah. I think he's going to live. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to show disturbances in that, in that soil, which can give him probable cause to dig it up. Right. To, uh, and granted, there's not going to be any more murder charges that are filed. No, but, but at least at that le- family will have closure. A little bit of fucking closure they for They can him. bury her properly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now I have some final thoughts on this. Lay him on me. Oh, he just did it. He did something again. He's like accident prone like I am. Okay, there's so much to say regarding this case. Okay? The first thing I would like to ask you is this. Are they a case of nature or nurture? Oh. I know where I stand. Rosemary, I think, is nurture. But I'm curious as to where you stand. I think Rosemary is nurture. Mm -hmm. But Fred, nature. You think so? 
Maybe. Well, it could be a combination of both, I Because if his father really did actively molest his daughters in front of him, some of this was nurture. But, okay, I, I could dig that, but given the credibility of anything oh, that Fred says. Oh, yeah, that's sets, true, too. You know, uh, there, there's people out there that are in prison right now where, and that, and even people who've been released 20, 30 years after they've been in, where people have said, uh, you know, this person raped me. Right. You know, maybe not 30 years after, but whatever. You know, this person sexually assaulted me just to find out, no, they really didn't do that. This is true, too. And things like that. So I don't want to be harsh on Fred's parents. Right. Not knowing if this is just a bullshit thing. Yeah, if he wasn't just talking out of his ass. Yeah, and that's that. That's my main thing okay. with it. If if there was a way that I can confirm that yeah. what Fred was saying is accurate in any way, like even even if it was something on the low end of molestation, such as Dad came home, he's drunk. And right. he's looking at little sister, and he's all, hey, let's yeah. have some fun. And it was a one-time deal, you know, which is still sick, but I'm not trying to, 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 no, to no, lower No, no, I that. understand what you're it's, saying. It's still not right at all, and I can't condone that. It, even, but even, even if it was something as, as low-end as that, I could say, okay, there's some credence to what he said. Because right. if we can prove one, you can prove more. we can justify yeah. the rest. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have the collective data this to is true. even justify an inappropriate touching. Like, Correct. You know, uh, have you ever given your kid a friendly little swat on the butt? Oh, all the yeah, time. Everybody does. You know, I've, I've done it to, uh, well, of course, my son, but then to my daughter, you know, uh, things like that. And it's, it's I not, do it to my son all the time. And it's not inappropriate. Right. You know? Um, but let's say that in Fred's mind, he interpreted that, right? Given his IQ, given his right, what appears to me a lack of ability to really discern, right? Well, no, not to discern. I'm going to go to accurately learn okay. things and how he okay. processes things and how he right, views right, things, right, right, right. Um, from what's right, what's wrong, things like that. Um, so let's say he interprets that as that was inappropriate, and I think my dad molested my daughter, my my, right. my my sister. Okay, uh, okay, I can I kind of see where he would get that, but we have nothing that shows the the only facts that we know about his parents is that they were farmers, they were poverty stricken, and they were poverty stricken, and his mother doted on him. Yeah, and his mom doted on him. So you would think, though, okay. Let's take it from that angle. Mom dotes on you, right? Oh, yeah. And she loves you as her favorite. Oh, yes. However, knowing that you can do that to one child, it, it, it kind of tells me that I don't think that mom is dismissing the other kids. Like, well, at least your dad didn't molest you type of thing. Right. I'm thinking that mom may have liked him the best. But if mom knows that, hey, dad's molesting daughters, right? shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah. You know, in one way or another, she's going to leave or she's going to act out. Um, right. You know, either in a proactive way or a violent way. But right. something's going to happen. There's, there's going to be a resolution to the right. problem. I don't foresee her discounting something as major 
Even against the other children. Yeah, against the other children. Right. Uh, something is very, very crippling and, and major as molestation. I can see that. You know? Now, I'm not saying it's not possible, because, hey, anything's possible. I think the Loch Ness Monster is still pro- possible. Dude. Nessie. I, you know what? I tend to agree with that statement. But I'm thinking that the, because this is just how my brain works, I work possibility versus probability. While there is a chance that it's possible, I think the probability is probably fairly low. I think you might be right. And that's, and I, if I'm wrong, then I apologize. But that's just, right. that's just it. No, I, I, I agree with you on that level. I do. So I can't, what I can't do is I can't wrap my mind around how anybody could possibly do what they did to another human being, let alone their own children. Yeah, that, that's... Okay, just, we fuck. have featured some very sick individuals. Individuals who have used their sexual fetishes to commit some of the most heinous crimes. Some of these individuals even committed horrible crimes against their own children or used their children to commit the crimes. However... To treat your children as disposable objects is just something I, as a mother, cannot comprehend. Me either as a father. Okay. I also know that cases that involve vile acts against children is a touchy subject. Everyone, not just you, not just Scott and myself is what I put here. However, there are many cases when I feel it is necessary to feature them anyhow because people need to understand the level of depravity that is out there. Agree. Okay. Now, when it comes to Fred, all I can say is this. He is a fucking coward who couldn't face the fact he had, his, he had to own up to his sick, sadistic actions. By him committing suicide, he committed one more final vicious act towards his victims. He didn't give them an opportunity for any sort of any sort. Well, closure doesn't quite feel right here, but it's the only thing that comes to my mind. Okay? There was absolutely no justice served. Granted, if he had gone to trial and been convicted before he took his own life, I would say, good, that's one less sick bastard that the taxpayers, taxpayers have to continue to support. But since he committed suicide before there was any conviction, he was just a coward that couldn't face up to his actions. He seemed to be a man, man enough to commit them, but he wasn't man enough to face them all when it was said and done. Correct. I, I agree okay. with that. He's just a dick on every level. No, I, I agree. This yeah. guy is just... Now, as far as Rose is concerned, I know the defense was just doing their job. Correct. But in my opinion, they shouldn't have even bothered. Okay? They should have just tried to get her a plea bargain because she is just as guilty as Fred was, if not more. I read somewhere that she has quit moving forward on any of her appeals because she just wants to put this all behind everyone and hopefully reconcile with her children, especially Anna Marie, that if this is true, I can't get over her audacity at thinking there may be a chance. Who knows? I'm not Anna Marie, nor do I know her personally, but I know the way I feel. And if it were me, I may be able with a great deal of therapy to accept the fact that I had no control over the things that happened to me. I may even get to a point where it doesn't affect every aspect of my current life. And I may even on some level be able to forgive their actions. But I do not feel I could ever get to a point where I feel I was able to once again be able to allow my abuser, no way, torture back into my life on any level. Okay, and oh, fucking... 
Rosemary says, I just want to reconnect with my kid. Yeah, Rosemary. Horse yeah. shit. Fucking horse shit. I'm over here while, while Tammy's reading this, just shaking my head and just fucking disgust. You don't want that. You just want this all to blow over so nobody's looking at you going, oh, there's the there, there's that woman who tortured yeah. and raped and you know, killed her own children. Because you know, every time her appeal comes up, it's back in the news again about every horrible act she committed. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what's going on. You don't have remorse for your kids. You don't give two freaking shits about your kids, Rosemary West. Not a damn thing. And as I said before, I thought her mocha was bad and I've been bitching about her. You are now my new target. You really are. You are lower than her mocha. You are lower than dog shit. You allowed this man... You you aided this man in sexually torturing your children. And murdering them. And murdering them. The fuck does that, man? Yeah. Nobody I know. Nobody I know. Yeah, it's just, it's so fucking grossed out and just disgusted and pissed. I, I, this is why I think that in these cases right here, and we're going to get hate mail and that's fine. You know what? That's okay. Death penalty. And I, oh yeah. People say, well, lethal injection. No, I'm not even saying the electric chair. Let the punishment fit the crime. That's what I say. Yeah. Now. Draw and quarter this bitch. Raping would be fun. Okay, I'd give it that. But how about um? What what did they call those? The stacks or whatever? Or you mean the rack? Yeah, where they fucking pulled them at all angles and yeah, shit. Yeah, that was yeah. the rack. Yeah. There's that. I would think. Uh, oh, branding irons. Oh yeah. That'd be really fun, but not just on your skin, there, sugar tits. <laughs> I'm thinking on your vagina and your asshole, because yeah. hey. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, motherfucker. Yeah. You sat there and tortured your own fucking kids. Yeah. I get, so I guess I don't even have to ask this question about, do you think if she was just an innocent victim to his sadistic actions? Oh, let me think about that for two seconds. No, <laughs> she, I think she was an active participant. That is exactly what I think. I think that she's oh, no yeah. better than Fred at all, and she probably enjoyed it. Why? She's a sick cunt. Oh, yeah, because she already enjoyed her the sick, sadistic side of it anyways when she participated in the rape and torture of the non-relatives. Right, exactly. You know, so for her to actually sit and do that with the relatives is even, I mean, puts her on a level above his. No, I, I, I agree, Because as a mother, I mean, I'm speaking as a mother. As a mother, despite everything, you are there to protect your fucking children. You know? Right. No, I, I that's agree it, 100%. That's all. This, yeah. These fucking people. Jesus fucking Christ. So, anyways, and I also have here, and I kind of know your answer to this one, too, is do you think Fred was a coward committing suicide and not facing his consequences? Oh, yeah. 100%. Not just a coward, but he also died a moron. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. Oh, this will all go away if I hang myself. Dude, you fucking lower than dog shit. You know, but he did make sure that she will always be known as his wife. Oh, yeah, that's true. I That's mean, true. let's give him that one. So congratulations there, Freddie old boy. Yeah. You let Rosemary, Rosemary uh, know that she's just as big a piece of garbage as you are. Yeah. Lower than low, lower than low. And Miss Rosemary, Rosemary, I keep wanting want to call her Rosemary. But Rosemary, I hope your kids never talk to you. Matter of fact, I hope when you reach out to them that they write you a little letter back that says... Go away, because in my mind, you don't exist. And I hope that weighs on you as you get older and older and older, rotten in that cell. I hope that eats at your very 
fucking soul day and night. Yeah, precisely. I agree. It's it's the child molesters. They 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 bring out this fucking no. They bring it out in in me. They bring it out in me too because I cannot abide by it on any level. If I ever become a serial killer, seriously, you're gonna know my target already. Mm -hmm. Like if a bunch of molesters and things like that start dying about. Oh. Scott's active in the neighborhood. Scott just took up a new hobby. <laughs> yeah. No. Scotty, is something we need to talk about? Nope. <laughs> yeah. No. These two were sick on every level. And yeah. Yeah. That's unbelievable. It was just, Fuck. it was disgusting to me. It was, and the thing is, is I still can't wrap my mind around half of it. You know, there were reports and. I kind of believe they're true because I wasn't able to substantiate them. So I didn't include them, but there were reports that said that, um, and Anna Marie tried on several occasions. I mean, cause she's married now. Oh, okay, cool. Um, but she has tried on several occasions to commit suicide. And you one time she why. even jumped from a bridge and somebody saved her. I wonder why after going I know. through all that trauma. Yeah. Well, Jesus. and I know myself from being a victim of abuse that it weighs on you for the rest of your life. And so, but to know that it was at the hands of my own father and stepmother, I think would be even more so. Yeah. And the years of torture and abuse on top of that. Yeah. It wasn't just a one time thing. It wasn't. It was like he repeatedly raped and tortured this little girl. I'm really hoping that Anna Marie honestly has gotten a lot of therapy yes and has a good support group yes to get through this because sweetheart sweetheart it's not your fault it's not it's not your fault that you were born to two pieces of trash it's not you did nothing wrong nothing oh my god but fucking believable man yeah so that's that's fred and rosemary west for you i'll wrap this one up without any more commentary because i'm just so yeah disgusted i am this has been Brutal Nation. I've been your host, Scott Alexander, and right across me being the presenter of the day, Tammy Underwood. Remember that you can send us an email at brutalnation.cast at gmail.com. Please check out the website at www.twistedbluellc.com. And if you're shopping on Amazon, click the link on our site. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything extra, and it helps out the, the show quite a bit. This show is copyright 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. We will talk to you guys later, and hopefully not with one that is so fucking disturbing. Bye. You say bye over there. Bye. Sorry. Jesus. I'm-